What movie did we watch one week ago, Kevin? Was it a week ago? Yeah. Oh, we're so far behind. We are. It's because I wasn't feeling yeah. well. We watched Bathtubs Over Broadway, a <laughs> documentary feature from 2018, um, produced or uh, directed by Dave Wisnet, who is not a person I know and doesn't seem to have many other credits to their name, um, about... A, really, it was about a guy, Steve Young, yeah. who is a comedy writer who at the time was working for The Late Show with David Letterman, and his obsession with industrial musicals, as as we learn that they are called, which is to say these private, what's commissioned musicals that were created by four corporations at like sales conferences mm-hmm. um and never produced for the public but had lots of talent behind them and lots of money behind them in the 70s and 80s 60s 70s 80s it was about him and his love of these musicals mm-hmm. and what do you think uh it was fine it could have been 20 minutes long um there wasn't much in the trailer that didn't wasn't much that wasn't in the trailer i guess um i i also let me just say this i'm fascinated by industrial musicals Mm -hmm. this showed me that those exist and now i want to know everything about them and the film did not do that did not accomplish that (laughs) i so i want my documentaries to tell me something about who's making them Uh rather than i don't like the style of documentary that presents everything as like experts and objectivity Uh and you know not bringing in the perspective of the filmmakers and what choices they're making Mm -hmm. in terms of who to interview and how to interview the edits Mm -hmm. and what archival like footage to Mm -hmm. use um which is why we have a rule about documentaries on this podcast (laughs) that that we watch and yet this film did tell me about maybe not the filmmaker but the the person who is doing all this research yes who is very much um uh the impetus yeah the impetus you know has all this archival stuff has become like a an amateur historian Mm -hmm. of it um and yet, I didn't want the story about him. I wanted to learn more about the <laughs> So, I guess I want to have my cake and you want, you want eat both. it, too. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that, that we got to know Steve through this process. I do appreciate him as sort of an introduction. And if it wasn't you and me, I think you need that to find these interesting Mm -hmm. but i i can't speak for you but i suspect you find industrial musicals fascinating i had never heard of them i had neither i had neither history yeah and so both of us i i know i certainly was was like oh this is fascinating tell me much tell me everything about these um only to not really get a lot of it i wanted to know nor like we we kind of found out who was making them. We did mm-hmm. explore some of the, some the, of the composers and, and some of the actors. But I was like, um, what corporations? How did it represent the American dream? How was it representing gender and mm-hmm. race and sexuality? Mm-hmm. And, um, 
family values. Oh, yeah. Corporate values. So much cool stuff. Those are the things. What were the storylines? Mm-hmm. Um, how did these, you know, how, why were these created to, as like these motivational tools? Like why did, why was it seem like this was the useful thing? What sort of propaganda is it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what are the narratives it's telling? Not just in like the story of the characters, although it's fascinating that they had stories and characters, but also in the, like, how does it shape the myth of the American people and and what was the reception reception is really hard to study in oh absolutely um but you know did it did it motivate salespeople? did they you know just blow it off and it was in the background yeah we heard we heard nothing from anyone who saw these live Mm -hmm. we heard from the creators and the performers and the people who had discovered them later on after after they'd been created like I said, audience reception is really hard to gather. Oh, sure. Data. Absolutely. And, and evidence and anecdotes. Although it didn't seem like he... Again, it's impossible. It's not impossible. It's very hard to find anyway, but it didn't seem like he or the film put much emphasis on finding people who had seen these previously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of them do have video recordings, which is great, and we saw clips of those. And so I can talk about my reaction to them. But yes, how how is it received in the moment is a fascinating unanswered question. So I go, oh, well, I want to study this. And then I realized, like, I'm not really an expert on musical theater. And to study this, you would need to know what styles of, mm-hmm. of music and lyrics, what it was in conversation with, with what was on Broadway and what was being developed in, in the mm-hmm. um, commercial. Yeah, because it's, it was this shadow. Space creative space like happening alongside arguably one of the most productive periods in broadway history mm-hmm. you know the 50s through the 70s were also the golden age yeah of yeah musicals. the golden age of musicals and so to have this where you have people like cheetah rivera and martin short participating in them although they were barely in the movie um and well-known composers writing for them and sort of this parallel path almost that would be a fascinating thing to, to track and chart and, and build a history around. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I thought the subject matter was really interesting and I wish they had spent twice to four times as much <laughs> on it. <laughs> I realized maybe what I wanted was to read the book mm-hmm. that he co-wrote and maybe mm-hmm. the book has a little bit more on on history and content mm-hmm. and whatnot um can i tell you something that is the the epitome of irony in this context it's out of print it's out of print used copies go for upwards of three hundred dollars wow um which is ridiculous that is on um, brand. It is on brand. The subject matter. Uh-huh. But it is also really disappointing that this already obscure topic. Make sure that light doesn't go off. Uh, the light is still red. Our cat is uh, messing you know, with the mic. Messing with the mic. Come over here, buddy. Also on brand for the cat. Yeah. Um, like this, this very scarce history. Like, as far as I know, the book. In that is it is 
I guess, made during the course of the film. It's not really clear when the book was written or how it was conceived. It's not really clear over the course of time that the film takes place. It seems to be several years that footage was collected yes. for the, the film. Um, yeah, not But not, not clear. clear how time passes Mm-mm. within the, the film. Which is disappointing um, from a filmmaking standpoint. Mm-hmm. And again, the sort of like creation of the documentary needs to be a part of the documentary. Or I want it to be. It doesn't need to be. Um, so yes, I agree with that. So we don't know really where the book came from. It's just sort of like, hey, there's a book now. We read a book. Um, which is neat, but also, like, the knowledge in that book is now scarce again. And it was already scarce to begin with, which is why you wrote a book to make it less it's scarce. funny that the book probably is going for more money than some of the records, mm-hmm. the, the records of the musical. Yeah, I think that's something that was really interesting that didn't get talked about, was the cost of these things. I never knew how much a given recording was worth. Oh, like when you go, in, go into a vinyl store, mm-hmm. how much? Well, because they talked about like the... bidding on them on eBay at the yeah. dawn of the internet, and they're they're always being outbid by Steve Young, but like outbid at twenty dollars, a hundred dollars. Like, what is the scope of here? Or or three dollars? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of used records go for dirt cheap but these are rare even if they're not necessarily highly sought after Mm -hmm. i don't know it was a thing that the the movie was very light on details kind of across the board Um, it was like a teaser for mm -hmm. oh i want to know more about this which is kind of what i got you ready to go more in depth which is what i got out of the trailer I was like, oh, this sounds fascinating. Tell me more. Um, Nope. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, industrial musicals seem cool, and I want to learn more about them. Um, What did you think of the movie? I mean, I had the the same thoughts. Yeah. The same thoughts as you did. Um, One thing that wasn't about industrial musicals um, that I thought was interesting is off topic because it's not about mm-hmm. musicals, but how uh, Young was talking about um, being comedy damaged, yes, and like how he's a comedy writer, and and also giving this like coming from this assumption that this happens to all comedy writers. Mm-hmm. You write comedy all day, and then nothing is funny to you mm-hmm. ever again, and yeah. it was really like depressing. <laughs> thought yeah to me i've definitely heard of that i've not heard of it in those words but like i remember um hearing a story somewhere on a podcast probably this american life about working at the onion and like the pitch meetings where everyone goes around and pitches their articles you know on a monday morning and anything that gets a laugh probably won't end up in the final version um because it's wrong for their audience Mm. (laughs) whereas the ones that end up in the paper or the online digital stuff now are the ones where they go oh yeah that's good (laughs) because they're all comedy damaged in the same sort of way yeah and comedy damage was a specific phrase he used which i thought was um 
Interesting. Interesting. And then that made me think about how many comedians suffer from depression. Yeah. And and yet they're so funny and you're like, oh, how can you, you know, be so funny and, Mm -hmm. and also be... So what the sad clown is a trope <laughs> yeah and no, i thought that was interesting and i thought it was interesting that um you know these were originally discovered as sort of a bit on letterman on right. late night the, his one of his writing things was he would find obscure records to make fun of mm-hmm. that david letterman would, would make then fun make of. fun of yeah um and that's neat and very on brand for David Letterman, because mm-hmm. um, David Letterman just likes to make fun of things. I was reminded of uh, this is further off topic. Um, the movie American Splendor, which is one of my favorite docudramas. Ooh, interesting thought. Um, talking about documentaries, it's sort of a documentary, but it's also scripted. But also. The main character is played by both Paul Giamatti and himself. I don't think I've seen American Splendor. Oh, it's good. Um, or even know it's anything a, about it's it. It's a film about Harvey Picar, who is an underground comics writer living in Chicago in the early days of underground comics, who wrote banal slice-of-life stuff told from his unique perspective and got mildly popular. Um, and then eventually got turned into a movie that was half documentary, half narrative feature, like biopic, and also an adaptation of some of his comics. It's a weird space. So, like, Paul Giamatti plays Harvey Picar, but Harvey Picar is also in the film and doing the voiceover narration and, like, wrote whole scenes that were scripts for his comics that became scripts for the movie. Fascinating film. It sounds like a Kevin film. Oh, it's 100% my jam. Um, But Harvey Picar gained a significantly larger amount of prominence because he was featured on Letterman. Um, And he went on Letterman half a dozen times over the years and eventually got fed up with it um, because he realized Letterman was just making fun of him. Like He was like, well, if it sells more comics, it's worthwhile, but... Letterman was just laughing at him, and he got tired of it, and actually like had a fight with him on air. Not, mm. fist, not like fist fight, but he went out on stage wearing a um, shirt that said "On Strike" from NBC. Letterman was on CBS. Not originally. Really? Yeah. Letterman was on NBC until they gave they gave the Tonight Show to Jay Leno. Letterman wanted The Tonight Show and was not given it, and then moved to CBS. Oh. Um, So it wasn't late night on Letterman, it was a different show, but it was the post-Carson slot. And he thought he was going to get late night. There's a book about it called The Late Night Wars. It's a really interesting story. We've gone super far afield from... uh, because Bathtubs Over Broadway wasn't about very much. Yeah, it was a very slight film. Um, it was cute. I enjoyed the snippets of the musicals that we saw. And obviously there's like rights issues where they probably can't just play the whole thing for us. Someone owns it. Yeah, if you saw the clearances and rights at the end of the film, yeah. there are so many clearances to go through. Yeah, because again, all of this stuff like exists, but... 
I mean, how do you even track down the rights holders on half of it to try and put it into a movie like this? Mm -hmm. Like, it's one thing if you own the record and you play it in your house, but trying to get the rights to the bathrooms are coming video to put onto a film (laughs) seems hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wanted more of that. But you didn't finish your story about oh Harvey Picard. It ended with they got on a they got in a fight, and I don't even know if it ever aired. Um, but he then stopped being on Letterman because Letterman just makes fun of stuff in a highly cynical way that bothers me. I no, Letterman is not my jam. Yeah, I and never it's liked very that. watching it too. I mean, this is filmed towards the end of the Letterman era, and mm-hmm. it's just like white male comedy and I'm just reminded of how hard it must be to exist in that world when you are not a white yeah. male and just so above it all I mean just, just looking down with derision at everything Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I get that speaking of the bathrooms are coming because yes. I think that that industrial musical got the most airtime. they showed mm-hmm. some of the the film and some of the music and they talked to some of the actors. Mm-hmm. So that one gave you, and that also happened to be his favorite musical yes. of them all. So at least like in that, you kind of got a sense of, um, one mm-hmm. of the, yes, of the many, many dozens, more 60, and, 70, 80s. You know, yeah. So as an example of the concept, it's, a musical made by American Standard for all the plumbing needs mm-hmm. in in a bathroom in America, and that's fascinating, right? Like, is how could plumbing be interesting enough for mm-hmm. uh, a, a musical? And the clips they show are from like a film of it, not a film of, of it stage on production. stage, yes, but something made for. To be filmed. Yes. Um, um, and was relatively high production value. I mean, you got the, the song they play almost in entirety is, is I think, My Bathroom, mm-hmm. which is a woman in her bathroom talking about how it's her safe place and she feels, you know, separate from all the things in the world. Yeah, and one of the, the lyrics is, like, I cream in the bathroom. yeah. And she says it a lot, and I really felt like the word should have been preen, P-R-E-E-N, not cream, C-R-E-A-M. I don't disagree with that. Because cream is not a verb. <laughs> Maybe it was back then. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my esoteric. No, yeah, cream felt out of place. I felt that as well. I was like, I kept waiting for it to be I preen. Yeah. Or I cream and then I preem, like, to, yeah. to rhyme. Anything. But, but it was wasn't. just I cream, I cream, yeah. I cream. It was a weird, it was a weird usage. Um, but the video we saw of that was like a... Um, I mean, it was like the parent trap level split frame where you see her and her reflection in the mirror and the reflection is moving independently and they sing to each other. (laughs) And that was cool. Um, In a musical that existed to get people to sell more bathroom equipment. Like, that is fascinating. And the song was, I don't want to say moving, but it was effective at 
showcasing the emotion they were trying to create. Mm-hmm. Um, which is neat. That is neat. And it was interesting that they showed more recent clips, like the Walmart musical, mm-hmm. that it it's it happens today. It's not on the same, the same large scale. scale. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to watch Walmart the musical. Yeah. I want to watch all of these. Like, I want... I want someone to be able to get the rights for me to, like, buy them. Um, I mean, because I'm sure you can find some bootlegs out on the dark web, but I would like to be able to, like, buy them legitimately. (laughs) I'm not going to be buying vinyls anytime soon, because that's a step... I already collect too many other things. (laughs) I mean, why not vinyls on top of everything? I don't know that I would listen to them that often. (laughs) Um, I did think... So if we're speaking of the narrative of the movie... um, I wrote this down in my notes. Um, I think it is interesting... That the film does cover... The end of Letterman's tenure. Mm -hmm. And also then sort of pairs that with the fact that industrial musicals as an industry are mostly done like they're not a consistent ongoing thing in the same way that they were at that time and steve is sort of in this place of like you know things end and i have to figure out what to do with the rest of my life um and i thought that was an interesting narrative parallel they were drawing uh even if that's maybe the only interesting narrative parallel they made in the whole movie Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Um, I also thought about, about this is a narrative of, of, of the film itself, um, but it is something that comes up a couple of times, is being a working actor in industrial musicals, how that was a good, like, financially that was a mm-hmm. good gig for mm-hmm. an actor, but it wasn't well-respected uh-huh. in the industry. And that's something that we don't talk about in, like, academic theater history very uh, like enough Mm -hmm. being a working actor yeah i think um and what that means from financial um and and policy perspectives Mm -hmm. on on things um and it it just it makes me think about the other gigs that actors take like in theme parks oh yeah watching a youtube video (laughs) a four-hour youtube video on a theme park right now <laughs> in chunks. It. <laughs> We're watching it in chunks. Um, yeah. But, you know, how being at Disney World and Universal Studios mm-hmm. is probably, I mean, it's a steady gig for yeah. an actor. Yeah. Um, They're literally called cast members. But it, I think it's looked down. Oh, absolutely. Like it's, it's not, like that's like it's a not failure. Legitimate. Like you didn't, you didn't make it in yeah. Hollywood. You didn't make it. Although, I, from what little I've seen of, like, YouTube videos of, like, the professional Disney princesses in parks, they're amazing. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I just, I wanted to know about the industry part of it. And you did have, you know, people who would go on to become stars Mm -hmm. working, Mm -hmm. working in it. um, But then they probably stopped after they were. They become yeah, famous. Yeah. You know, once you're Martin Short, you don't have to do industrials anymore. 
Or Cheetah Rivera. Those are the two names I recognized. Uh, there was Florence Henderson, Susan Stroman. Oh, yeah, Susan Stroman, I always remember. I was like, yeah, hey, sure, I don't know who that is. She's uh-huh. one of the few Broadway directors I actually know. Because she choreographed the producers on Broadway and then directed the film version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Florence Henderson was also there. She's famous. But So we don't have a lot to say about the film. But neither did the film. So, yeah, it's fine. It won so many awards. I'm looking at the, the Wikipedia page. I mean, honestly, this is why we don't watch a lot of documentaries. is because we get really disappointed in... Yeah. Um... In the documentary. And I didn't form. have super high hopes for this one. Like, if I'm being honest, I thought it was going to be some light fluff. And it was some light fluff. Um, but yeah, I'm, we're pretty picky about documentaries for that reason. Mm-hmm. And no more Netflix documentaries. Yeah. We, I mean, this was on Netflix, but it wasn't made for Netflix. Yeah. Oh, man, the anthropologists are real mad at the uh, new anthropology documentary on Netflix. I don't know what this is. We haven't been recommended it in our thing. Oh. But it's a uh, not an anthropologist, it's a journalist. I'm not an anthropologist who's like his his whole premise is uh, Atlantis was real and was destroyed in the Ice Age and that's why all of these ancient civilizations had circles. <laughs> sounds like some ancient alien stuff. It is some stuff. ancient alien stuff. Um, I saw a, a thread on it that was an actual anthropologist going like everything he's saying is straight out of a literal white supremacist book Mm. (laughs) like he's not citing it he cited it in his own book he's not citing it in the documentary on netflix that's another problem with documentaries oh yeah they don't citation sources yeah the documentary is the citation, Amy. I mean, that's something I appreciate about Adam Ruins Everything. Yeah. Because they flash little They flash their citations, sources. and you can go online and look at them. Some it. of them I don't think are the strongest sources, mm-hmm. but it, it's not a peer-reviewed... Yeah, and at least you know. they're citing their sources. They're, they're showing... Yeah, <laughs> they've done some reading research and are showing their work. Yeah. And, and there are documentaries that are, like, the text is the source. You know, I think about... Um, Freestyle Love Supreme, where, like, so much of it is home movies that they shot, and it was shot for this, so they're not talking about, like, the history of a thing from 30 years ago. Well, even this Bathtubs Over Broadway is somewhat an archival document, because I is. doubt he were, I mean, he went to some of these original lyricists and, mm-hmm. and actors, and they recorded it, and they showed some of it, Yeah, and that's probably the extent of archival... Of these documents, interviews yeah. that exist with these he did people. go to the Library of Congress, mm-hmm. and I'm curious what else is stored there. Obviously, the Library of Congress is not easily accessible, which is a problem for a library. But I remember seeing him going into the uh, the viewing room. Well, it seemed like he had combed through. I mean, you had to get through a lot of corporate meetings to find any of the oh yeah the musicals yeah. Um, they weren't just... They weren't just, like, all neatly organized and stacked. These are the musical portions. Yeah. But, like, that's an interesting thing, too. Like, the work of archival search is very hard. Like, yeah, sure, all of this crap's in the Library of Congress, but finding the interesting, useful parts is hard. But we didn't see much of that. We didn't see much of the search. Uh, all right, that's all I have to say. Anything else you want to say? I think that... 
Is it? Okay. You want to tell them about our Patreon? Yeah, we've got a Patreon. It updates uh, whenever a new episode comes out, which is sporadically. We don't have a release schedule. Um, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash five degrees. Uh, if you do support us at any level, you get both perks. Uh, the first perk is bonus audio versions of the episodes. Uh, so from the moment the microphone turns on to the moment it turns off, you get some bonus audio of us talking to our cat or my chair squeaking at an unbelievably loud volume. Mm-hmm. Um, the other perk is you get a list of movies we did not watch because I will often give Amy a list of movies to pick from. And then she will pick one of that list, and you can see what we didn't watch. And movies often reappear until we watch them. Not always. There's always ten times more movies that we want to watch. And we're going to sneeze. I'm not. I'm holding in. I'm holding the sneeze. Okay. Um, Yeah, those are the perks. Support us on your favorite. uh, Rate us and review us on your favorite podcatcher. Tell your friends about us, but thanks for listening most of all. Uh, You don't have to support us. We're still going to be here talking about the movies we watch, because that's what we do. Yes. Say goodnight, Kevin. Goodnight, Kevin.